Hi there, I'm Martin Teasdale, and this is Get Out of Wrap, the podcast all about contact centres, the people in them, the latest technology, leadership and career lessons, operational best practice, and much more about a great, often misunderstood industry. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. So Barry Cooper, Head of Customer Service at MoneyCore, thanks very much for coming on Get Out of Wrap. Oh, you're welcome, Martin. Thank you very much for having me. And we, we've been talking quite a bit recently, haven't we? We've And Barry's been very patient whilst we've tried to arrange the, the recording of this, but we've been talking and we have a lot of shared passions. And as head of customer service at a contact center, many listeners won't be surprised to hear what those passions are, but you didn't come out the package, out the packet as a, a pre-made, perfectly formed perfectly experienced head of customer service how did you how did you get to be this this fine figure of a of a leader <laughs> well it's a good question i'm not sure i'm perfectly packaged quite yet there's still lots to do and i think that's part of the pleasure of being in the contact center industry isn't it is that are we ever really done and, and and what more can we be doing and i think that's part of of what drives you every day i think and and, and what excites me and i think that's the kind of stuff that we've been talking about you know not just how can you, you know, how can I help my team? How can I help myself? And, and what does my development look like? I guess looking back, where did my customer service career start? Contact center, I started in, in 2006. And, and like a lot of people that join your podcast, it, it, it wasn't planned. You know, I, I moved back from Jersey and the Channel Islands and I had a couple of, a, a, a couple of jobs that, that weren't office-based. And growing up, I'd always said I'd never work in an office. So I, I trained to be a chef. And I think that was probably my first kind of customer service experience. You know, if you can deliver a great plate of food, you've got to think about the customer that's the other side of the restaurant. And that kind of grew. And and when I moved back to the mainland, I was scaffolding and it was great in the summer because I had a pair of shorts and a t-shirt on and it was lovely and warm. Winter came and, and not so much, you know, smashing as we all know with the ice that we've had over the last couple of weeks and the cold weather snap. Yeah, smashing ice off the scaffolding poles definitely wasn't for me. And I was lucky enough that my partner was working for Eon at the time in the contact center. And they were recruiting. So I applied and, and I found myself in the contact center from there. And, and I started as a customer service advisor and, and made my way through, through Eon for, for many a year. So. And those did those sort of life skills that you've got from training as a chef, being out as a, as a scaffolder, did they help you quickly in the customer service role or were you, did you still have a period where you were finding your feet? So I, I think it, the chefing definitely did, I, I, not straight away. So there, there is a lot of time of finding your feet and, you know, how did I find myself here? What am I going to do? Well, you know, I'm, I'm answering inbound telephone calls and, and what impact am I having? And you go through all of those types of questions when you first become a customer service advisor, because you used to hear the stories, isn't it? If it's a stopgap, I'm only here for six months, I'm only here for eight months and that's exactly where I was. I think, you know, it'll, it'll do, it'll cover the winter and I'll see where I go. The chef in what, what you, what I finally kind of found out sort of three, four years later when I'm starting to kind of really realize there's a career in there and that you could really make something out of being in that contact center was the, the mythology. So using the methods 
to understand that, you know, when I was a chef, you used to cook from the left to the right. So everything was very methodical. You know, you'd start over here and go to over there. And you can start bringing that, that, that stuff to the office. You know, where does the customer journey start? How did we get in touch with the customer? Why did they pick up the phone? And then you can kind of play that customer experience out right the way to, okay, this was me and I was picking up the phone. What happened and why did it happen? And it's just about going through those steps to really understand how the customer has been impacted and, and then going, okay, is that good for us as a business? Is that good for the customer? Is that good for my team? And once you start holistically looking at those three things and how they fit, you can really start to have an impact on, on the business, your customers mainly, which is what you're really after. And, and your team, you know, that's what you really want as well. You've got to get that team around you that can help you deliver those changes then. And yeah, the chef in absolutely brought that. The scaffolding, no, more, more laboring, so more, more just kind of lifting and shifting, if I'm completely honest. And uh, the more regret that I'm still not out in the sun, maybe quite as much sometimes during the summer. But it's, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love the, I love the taking a chef's mentality into a customer journey. But when, so when summer came though, were you tempted to, to leave or had you had the bug had you been bitten by that point yeah probably probably not been bitten quite as much so the thought was still well it's only going to be an eight months nine months kind of stopgap. so summer's coming around and the sun's out and you're thinking well even when i was in the kitchen i didn't see much of the summer but definitely the the, the, the scaffolding piece and I, I i was lucky enough and i think this is kind of leans to where or what i tried to do or what we tried to do is I was lucky enough to meet some amazing people in that first role. One of which who kind of walked up to me and, and, and just called me out on it. Like, you've been here nine months now. What, what is it you want? What, what do you want? What are you doing? Are you really going to sit there and stay in rap? We'll, we'll, we'll use the pun if you don't mind. <laughs> stay, stay in rap till the manager walks up and tells you that, you know, can you come out a rap or can you grab the next call or asks you to do the next piece of work? Or are you going to take it somewhere? And and as soon as, and it was Jamie, Jamie Kelly, I always remember when he came up to my desk and said it, and I kind of blew me away. I kind of thought, well, am I really sat here wasting, wasting my time, but also wasting somebody else's time? And, the, and, and that's not what, what, where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And it was from there that you kind of start thinking, well, okay, talk to me about it. And, and that's what I did. I then sat down with him, well, okay, well, what are you talking about? What does that career look like? Where does it go? And he's like, well, what do you like? And where do you, you know, what, what interests you? And. And he was one of the ones who said, like, well, think about the, think about a process from start to finish. How different is that from the kitchen? And what does that look like from, from the things that you were doing? And yeah, it was from there that I think I bit the bug. So it, had somebody not called me out on it, I might have very well have left. But someone, you know, that I'd met at that time was kind enough to call me out on it and kind of say, well, what, what, what is it you want? And what, what do you want to do? And who do you want to be? And then I just did a load of work with him and other managers in the business at the time and, and, and even colleagues on my team around kind of, why am I there? So, you know, we're talking about gas and electricity at the time. So we all know kind of how emotive that subject still is at the moment, but it, it inevitably you could have 10, 15 calls in the morning. And it, when I started, it was probably like, oh, I'm just helping people with their gas and electricity. But then when you start to get an understanding of actually, no, I'm, I could be changing someone's life here. Somebody could be phoning and going, my boiler doesn't work. I've got no, it's in the middle of winter. I can't afford to, to, to get a boiler engineer out. That could be life changing. And you then kind of put that reflection onto everything since, do you know what I mean? So what impact am I having today? And, and who am I having an impact on? And is that in the right way? And is that in a positive way? Because that's what we're here to do. It's about, <clears throat> excuse me, 
it's about that thing, you know, how, how people remember how you made them feel. They, they, they won't, well, a lot of people from the, the, my early days won't remember what I said, but I'm hoping there's a few out there that think back and think, do you know what? He, I, he was great and he made me feel like I was part of the team and he made me feel like I was trying to achieve something bigger and something better. And, and I guess that's what we still aim to, to, to do today and every day. And that, and I will touch upon the, the leadership element as we, as we get there, but I love those, those kind of positive disturbance questions that Jamie asked you around, what are you doing? And, you know, yeah, I, the name of the podcast is because not just because of a time when I was a team leader telling people to get out of rap, but prior to that, I would sit in rap and get an extra break. Yeah. But that, that kind of progressive leadership of saying, what you know what's the plan here what 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 are you doing and the the impact that's had on you then as you progress into leadership so did you go into team leader at eon so i i started off as, as what we used to call a duty manager so and, and a duty manager was the role between resource planning and, and and the floor and that was very much what had been forecast for the day what had been forecast for the week what does our outbound look like? What does marketing look like? And what, what are our expectations throughout the week? And when would we expect to see those demands through that intraday every day? So I, I think what, what I started doing was being the person that was walking up and down the floor saying, can you get out of a rap, please? Which is kind of where, you know, when, when I came across the podcast and you start listening and you think, oh yeah, I remember them days. And I remember saying, to you when we first caught up or a couple of weeks ago about you know, w- walking up to somebody and you could see them put themselves over a wrap as you got to the desk so that you'd say, can I get, yeah. do you mind just grabbing a call or out a wrap for me? I'm already out of wrap. You think, okay. Um, of course you are. So yeah, exactly. Of course you are. Perfect timing, just as I've got to your desk. But, and then you start thinking, well, why is that? Why do you need that role in the first place? And kind of what, what do you need to change and what needs to happen so that that role doesn't so that the guys already know the importance of why because you're not asking them to get out of rap are you you're asking them to to understand what the demand looks like guys i've got six calls queue in this this long the customer's been waiting five six minutes just think about that if you were in if you were in on hold for that long or you were listening to you know the hold music or whatever it might be for that period have a think about that and just remember what that felt feels like when you do it so, so that's what that role was. But at the time, it was probably more of a, again, out of a wrap and, and, and let's manage your AHT. And from there, I, I became a team, a, a team leader at Eon and, and managed a team of sort of anything between 12 and, and, and 15. I think at one time, the biggest the team got was, was 20, which was a, a busy old time. But uh, yeah, and started the kind of coaching journey and how do you become a coach and how do you become a good leader? And, and, and to your point, I know I've heard you talk about it in the past and you hear lots of people who join the podcast. How do you bring people along to that journey? So I, I just mentioned, you were just talking about how do you make people, it's not about that you're in rap or that you're, you know, it's about the customer piece. It's about, and then how do you bring them for that? You know, how do you get them to go, actually, I don't need Barry to tell me to get out of rap. I know why it's important that. I get into available and I answer that customer call that's been waiting. And, I, and you mentioned something there. It's interesting that it's the first thing you said about being a team leader. And I know it's a central part of your career, fr- you know, from then and to now is you mentioned coaching, which is great to hear actually is a, that that's the first thing you mentioned when it comes to, to leadership did, was that instilled in you or was that something that you'd had the experience of being coached that 
is why is it so important? I, I think why is it so important for me? It's about the why. I think we, we again it's something like why why do I get up in the morning? Why do I go to work in the morning? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? There's got to be meaning in those things, and I think that's where coaching comes in for me. If I can help someone find that meaning, if I can understand, if I can help them find their why. And I can coach them on how they can maybe get there, or I can coach them to their next role, or I can coach them to their next improvement, whether that's for them, uh, the wider team, if it's one of my team leaders or my customers, then I, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm helping that person, but I'm also helping my business and I'm helping my, my, my customers while I'm at it. Eon had a, I, I must admit, I think I, I, I joined Eon, let's say it was back in 2006 and they, they were great at that kind of stuff in terms of developing you, getting you coaching sessions and, and along, along with all, all coaching sessions, I've had the good and the bad, you know, we've had the sandwich that shall not be named because I'm going to try and keep it not explicit for this week. But yeah, we, we've all had the sandwich, you know, you're doing really well, but can you do this? And thanks very much. And you walk out the door, scratching your end a little bit yeah. thinking, well, am I doing well or, or, or is there things I need on? I can't. You've hit the nail on the head. I've always thought it's just, you don't want to, the, the output shouldn't be that you've confused someone. So they come exactly. out and go, well, what was that? What was that coaching session like? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm okay at two small things, but I, it, it appears I'm terrible at an important thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and then, and then you really haven't probably talked about how, how do you get better at that terrible thing? You know, like you, you've probably spent more time having a conversation around these are the great things this is the really terrible thing and these uh, but you're amazing and off you go and then you think well that person's just walked out thinking oh, okay i'm great and, and i've not really probably helped them and then you learn lots of models i guess you know i've spent a lot of time in different businesses then or well i spent the majority of my time at eon i must admit but i've been at different businesses you know, i've looked at different models and, and and i kind of this would be some of the advice that i give to team leaders is never never stick to one model right so we talk, and I think maybe Elon tried two or three different models, but you were trying to do a blanket, one model for 15 people. That's probably not going to work because mm. 15 people all don't interact and think in the same way. So then start thinking about, okay, so I know Martin. I know that he is visual and he likes pictures and he, he doesn't like big wordy documents and he doesn't like, so I'm going to ask him to do a project or I'm going to ask him to, to help me with this thing. What does Martin need? How am I going to deliver that session in the way that works for Martin that's different from Barry? Because you and I might work in completely different things and we, you would have seen it. You can give some two, two, three people exactly the same brief and say, come back to me and deliver that message to the team. And you'll get three different briefs. You'll get three different ways of delivering that message. And I guess for me, that's about coaching as well. It's about understanding the individual that I'm about to coach. And if I can help my managers kind of understand that everyone is different. So look at the grow model, look at, you know, the smart model, look at antecedent behavior and consequence model, the ABC, which is it, you, you know, there's, there's lots of different models out there. Play around with them. So that, that's what can keep you going as a coach. And that's what can make you kind of a better coach. And, and as long as you've had a conversation, so, you know, you and I sit down, mine, I'm going to try a different model today. I don't mind if it's going wrong in the middle, let me know. And, and, and get that feedback as well as a coach. So when that session's finished, to your point, you know, how did that session go? I should be asking the person that I've coached, how did it go? And, and they might not want to do that straight away. They might not want to do that face-to-face, -face, understand 
you know, figure a way out to get that feedback because the more that you can get it, the more you can develop your coaching skills. I love that. I love, and I love the concept of through invitation and acceptance and agreement, trying different things where you're both technically trying together, the, the coach and the coachee. And the coachee is more likely to be receptive to that because they know you're trying something out for the first time. It's great. And, and there's no point in me battering a drum if it's not working for you, right? So let's do that the other way. And let's say we didn't do the old sandwich and I did the, here's your three positive and here's the two that I'd like you to work on this week. If I've done that in a way that doesn't work for you, you're probably not going to step out the door and do those two things that we've talked about anyway. The coaching piece for me is... Actually, I want you to tell me those two things anyway. I, I might have my two or three things that I want you to work on, but I don't really want to be telling you what they are. I, I want you to tell me what you think you need to be working on. And I want you to be in a, in a session that is right for you, because to your point, you're going to be more engaged with that session. You're more likely to take action on the back of it. And I just think those are the types of things that, yeah, they don't, they take time to plan sometimes, you know, your new books, for example, as you know, I've got plenty of those books in, in flying around the contact center at the moment, but I think that's another kind of piece I'd say that anybody that's, that's in any role, whether it's a contact center or not, and you're in a managerial role or a leader role, plan that stuff. Like it, we're all so time short and you know, the biggest thing is I've run out of time. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I can't do the other. But actually the hour on a Monday to plan your week and, and half an hour a day just to go, did I hit my three things today? What were my big rocks? What didn't work? What will I do differently tomorrow? By doing those things, you know, I say it's an hour a week to plan it and then 20 minutes, half an hour a day, just to ask yourself those questions, you'll find you'll get loads more time back in your day. Because you will learn stuff about yourself and you'll ask yourself, okay, so last time I spent 40 minutes writing up the document after this session finished, okay, do I need to write the document or can I ask them to write the document? Because it's not mine. And you'll start learning those types of things, you know, you'll find you'll get those time back just from, from, from that hour or a week and half an hour every day planning. And what, what kind of coach were you when you first started? And is there anything that you would... You, you would use now when you're talking to your coaches to help fast track them to the point where they are really competent? So I'd like to say I was an amazing coach when I started, but I know there'll probably be people listening to the pack podcast that will shout out and say I wasn't. And, and I wasn't, right? Because it's weird, isn't it? How strange is it to sit down with somebody, whether that's in a room or across a table and say, I'd like to talk to you about, about your work and it was never done in the kitchen apart from chef shouting for orders. And, and it was definitely never done on a scaffolding or, or, or on, a, on a building site. So, so probably not the best. And I think, but over time you hone it and you practice it and you learn it and you realize that you try something and it doesn't work. So I try something different. I think most people listening to the podcast and, and those that are new to team manager roles, maybe not so much, but you know, you five W's, yeah. You ask open questions. Those are probably my first two things. So ask open questions and, and use the five W's to do it. So, you know, who, what, why, where, and when, and, and those five W's will really help you get to what you want. If I'm asking closed questions, what, what am I going to learn? Not a lot. If I said to you, you know, Martin, did you wake up this morning? You're going to yes. say, yeah, yeah. I've not really got me much there. 
Martin, talk to me about what happened when you woke up this morning. And I well, probably few, get few go happened. I can tell you that. <laughs> there you go. I hope he hasn't destroyed another plant, but <laughs> which is a couple of months ago, wasn't it? But but there you go. You see, it's it's a, it's a similar question. But you've asked him, one's closed, one's open. And, and those are probably the two things that I'd ask for, for, for my leaders or try and fast track them to that coaching. And then to enjoy it, like, like say, have, have a bit of fun and not laughing and joking fun, but speak to the individual, right? How was your coaching session? Was it good for you? It, it feels awkward when you're asking questions that you've never really asked before. Are you thinking, well, wh- why am I questioning this person about it? It doesn't feel natural. So get used to that. Get used to some of the natural stuff. The, the power of silence is amazing. I'm not very good at that one myself, as you'll see from the podcast, because I, I talk too much, but don't, don't ever, one of the best pieces of advice I got, which is from, I, I can't remember who it came from. I think it was Polly, which is who came to, to do some coaching and uh, some teaching while I was at an insurance company. And one of the things she said is get, get used to uncomfortable silences really, really quickly. And, and, and the, the reason is, is if you can both sit there, they will feel like. So talk to me about that call. Was it good? I don't know. Just sit with that. Just let them sit with it for a while. Cause I can ask you that over and over again and you'll never give me an answer. But if I sit there in silence, you're probably going to want to fill it before me. So, so that's another good one. These are some great tips. I think, I think back as well to, I would have loved very early on when I started coaching to have a leader like you that could talk me through those things. Cause I. I found I was a, a people pleaser. I, I enjoyed coaching sessions. I enjoyed the time with one of my team in, you know, this was what I saw was my job was to help make people better because if you're better, you enjoy your job more and yeah, you could have some, have some fun, but I wish that I'd been more candid in those early periods because yeah, you know, you what you're talking about now is the power of having a great conversation and that means listening and using silence but also i think the language and kind of that preparation being candid with how and clear with what you're saying because i would leave some coaching sessions thinking that person's really positive about the session they're really positive about me i've delivered what i wanted to do and then there there was no change and when I was, when I came back to talk to the same person, I said, I thought we talked about you doing this. And they were like, no, no, I, you, you gave me lots of hats on the back and told me loads of great stuff. Because what I would do is the key thing that I really needed them to deal with, I was uncomfortable talking about. And I think that kind of mental, like you say, that kind of mental challenge of broaching a subject where I'd have to be saying, you're, this can be done better what do you think you know it might be there might be some conflict there i would avoid that or just skirt around the edges of it for ages flower it up package it up really positively they would leave going yeah that session was great change nothing i'd be thinking oh yeah this is really i've done a really good job here go back to listen to their subsequent calls and think it's changed (laughs) what is and it's and it's because i hadn't been clear and i think if it's coming from a place of support and love and being together then you can have those more well you have to have open conversations you have to be very clear and candid with with what you're saying but it seems like you got there far quicker than i did 
I'm not sure about that, but but you're right. right? You, you can go out that session, you feel great, but what did they get out of it? And and what are they going to get out of it? And I think it, going back to the difficult conversation, we have them every day, right? Whether it's whether it's at this level now as head of customer services and it's a business decision and I'm having a conversation with my CEO and I'm asking for something or, you, you know, I'm being asked something. We have difficult conversations every day. So that really doesn't change whether you are a customer service advisor, a team leader, or you go up that ladder, which hopefully that's what everybody wants to do. I think that the, the pleasure of having that difficult conversation or learning to have that difficult conversation is, is something that we, we all need to do pretty quickly. And, and if a team leader can do that and do it in the right way, then you're going to get great results. And I think part of that stuff that that, that helps you do that is is things like emotional intelligence. So I think you might have talked about a little bit of EI in the past, and that was another kind of light bulb moment for me when we did a bit of training or I was coached on why you know, we're going to do this training session. It's about emotional intelligence. And I'm thinking, well, what do you mean? And what, what's emotional intelligence? And what's that going to help me with answering telephone calls or dealing with a, a, a team of 15 people? I don't understand. And and then you get into it and you start talking about, well, actually Martin cut me up today when I was driving to work. I didn't know it was Martin, but it was mine who cut me up. And I, I go, I drive into work. I moan at everyone in the work today. You won't believe it. Like this person cut me up today. Oh, infuriated. And I'm infuriated for hours. And then I get on with my day and then I go home and then what do I do? I tell my wife or I tell my partners, you know what? You won't believe it this morning. Someone cut. And I'm thinking, and what you learn about that emotional intelligence is it seven o'clock at night when I've got home, I'm still angry from seven o'clock in the morning. That's emotional intelligence, right? And if I could have learned to let that anger go, how different would have my day been? Like, mm. and, and if I could start understanding my emotions and how I'm impacted, then hopefully I can have an impact on other people. And to tie that hopefully back to coaching, that's about, this is going to be a difficult conversation. Do I need to take mine off the floor to have it? Or... Do I need, you, you know, what's the scenario for mine in this scenario? What, what, how is mine or how might mine react? And should I take him into a room? Should we just do it in the coffee shop down the road? Should I just do it at his desk or, you know, and how, how should I, how should I build this feedback or this coaching session around knowing some of those things? And if you can take in, you know, we talk, we talk quite a lot in the industry about our sphere of control. What can I control and what can't I control? I can control that when I build a coaching session. Like I, I can make that room very comfortable for me and for the individual, which allows us to have that candid conversation in the right way for both of us. And it should, you should still both walk out the room feeling great. I should walk out feeling like, you know what, that was a difficult session, but it was great. I got everything I wanted and they should think the same. That was a difficult session, but I've got everything that I wanted and I'm going to go on and get these actions done that we've talked about. And that will help you bring those improvements in your customer service and, and, and in your business that, that, that we're all looking for and to achieve. And I think my, my passion is definitely a lot like yours. It's selling that story that this is a, this is a, a career. It's, it's not a stopgap mm. anymore. And it does hurt these days when you still hear people talking about our oh, contact centers, they're a stopgap and, or yeah, I ended up in a contact center and I'm, I'm not sure what I want to do or, you know, why do you want to be in a contact center or 
even that's, you know, stood in the pub on a Friday night and someone says to you, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm head of customer services for a contact center. Like I, I'm so proud of that. And I want my people to be proud of that. So that when they're out and they're talking to their friends or their mates in the pub or down at the footy or wherever it is, I want them to be saying, oh, I work in a contact center and these are the great things that I do every day. And this is how I impact my customers' lives. And, and I want them to take that on and pass it forward, if you will. Do you know what I mean? And that only comes through the one-to-one, the, the relationships that we build. And, you know, I know you've done a couple of TikToks over the last couple of weeks and a couple of LinkedIn posts, I think, around being a new manager and how difficult it is, particularly being a customer service advisor, to then manage in that team. Because you mm-hmm. then step out of this where we're all friends to, well, now I'm your manager. That's That was one of the most difficult transitions I, I, I made. And... Yeah, any advice that people can go out, just, just go and learn, just go, reach out. There's a great book called Taming Tigers that, that I read, which was all about asking for help. And it was, it, it was Jim Lawless, I believe. I'll have to double check the name of the book. But he talks about, well, he becomes a race jockey and everyone says to him, there's no way you, you can become a jockey and, and race in a professional race in the period that you want to do it. And it's, it's very much a storybook because I, I struggle at process books. I'm more of a story man, as you can probably tell from this. Like say I like, I'm like talking, so apologies. But and, and he does it, and and one of the things he talks about is taming tigers. And the reason he does it is because he was just willing to to reach out to phone somebody he'd never spoken to and just say, "Look, I have this aspiration. I don't know how to go about it. I think you might be the right person to help me." Can you? And I think that's what I, I try to to generate and create within any business that I'm in or with any team that I'm in. Well, you covered a couple of things there. Number one. I love that kind of standing proud and being passionate about where you work and the industry you work in, because it's in those small interactions that we can change perceptions. It's, you know, I play football on a Sunday and we often, there's new players coming. And when they say, where do you work? I'm the same. I often will say I work in the contact center industry. And then I've got a little piece ready in my head near enough because I can see the look in their eyes where they kind of go, oh. And I'm like, no, no, it's brilliant because of X, Y, and Z. And you, that I love. But also you touched earlier on, well, there's a couple, there's two other things. You touched earlier on emotional intelligence. And I think that analogy that you used about being triggered by like an a incident in the car straight away, you know, emotional intelligence is made up of self-awareness and self-management to start with. So if you're, if you're aware that you can get triggered in the car and then manage that the impact of that and the impact it's had on you throughout the rest of the day you then you're more situationally aware your relationships are better i'm with you 100 percent. if you can only if there's only one thing to choose to share with people that you about in in our industry it would be emotional intelligence and the importance of it because we all benefit from that regardless of what role we're in and regardless yeah. Of what we're doing yeah and I, and I think particularly for our people right mm. contact center work not easy and, and mm. again you know listening to some of the ai stuff and some of the, the the new system the conversational one last week or the week before i think it was that you, the, yeah i think it was eugene you had on and i think the, the we have difficult comp- it doesn't matter what industry we're in whether it's finance whether it's gas and electricity whether it's you, you know whatever industry you're in in the contact center world the chances are, if you're in customer services, you've got an angry customer somewhere, or you've got a customer that's struggling to pay their bill, or 
you've got a customer that is falling behind on something or doesn't know how to use your online system or doesn't know how to use your app and they feel left or lost or you know and that's the kind of customers that we're always dealing with and that is stressful it's hard work when you are taking call after call after call or even in between your breaks and your lunches and for our guys or if we can teach our people in the teams customer service advisors to understand how they're feeling after that call so i I think you had the story once where you were sat next to somebody in the contact center and he made a bit of a joke for you because of the difficult customer you're dealing with and that that's perfect that helps right but but when i turn around to my team still and go oh, that sounded like a difficult call are you okay yeah yeah i am actually it's okay not to be you know it's okay to take a couple of minutes and go no i'm not okay do you want to go downstairs do you want to get a bit of fresh air should we go and get some water would you like a cup of tea what what does that look like how does that feel and we want to just make sure or i just want to make sure that my people know that that's that's an option and to understand that well actually no that customer's angry with me because, you know, being screamed at sometimes make us, makes us angry because I can understand what my emotion is. No, that customer's upset me. They've, they've, like, I feel quite like I want to cry. Okay, let's talk that through. Let's understand. Because if we can help them understand their emotions, they don't then go on to the next call and pass that anger on or don't pass that or, or I'm so upset that they get the next call wrong again. And you, you, before you know it, your day spirals out of control because you didn't deal with your emotions at the start of that, you know, you know, after that really difficult call. And yeah, it's a big one for me. Well, that right there is how you, as a progressive leader, are influencing things like attrition because taking, taking the time to annual for your team members and managers to know that that's what you want them to do, to take the time to check people are okay. And to recognize that without some kind of coping process or methodology that that negativity you're receiving from the customer has to go somewhere it's going to have an impact unless you manage it effectively that you yeah. have so you know that example you gave it only worked once it worked great because it was extreme and it was based on the guy next to me really making me laugh but then that then became something that i thought you know what i I can disassociate myself slightly from from this and, and realize that if I can do my job, I'm still able to finish that shift, go to lunch and have a good laugh with my friends and not let it affect me. Whereas there was the time when it really was, you know, so your kind of your focus on that, that element is really important. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's not what we by our, our colleagues to do is it we, we don't employ them to, to to come in and and put up with you know angry customers yes we probably created that as well that's the difficulty right if i've got an angry customer as a business i've probably created that or if i've got an upset customer then there's something that we've created but we need to let our people know that that's not what that, that's not what I've, I've i've got you for you know you're not part of my team so that my customers can shout at you all day that's not what i want we, we then need to start talking about the improvements on the back of that so yes i want my people to know that they they're, they're caring about and that you know if they need that break or to understand how they feel on the back of that call then go and do it and and, and let that tension out because it is a stressful job as we talk about it's, it's high pressure it's stressful it's all of those things as customer service advisor but I also then want them to kind of feed back to me about why but I need to know yeah, why that was a bad good. call. Because if if I don't if I don't know why that's a bad call, or well, why did the customer get so angry in the first place, or why was the customer upset in the first place? And then I want to bring them along to help me improve whatever that was. 
So actually, why was the customer so angry? Well, they were angry because, I, I, I don't know, you, you know, we promised them that we'd send them this email and we didn't, or we promised them that we'd send them these flowers and we didn't, whatever it might be. Okay, how can we improve that? What are your thoughts on? Because again, if I can buy them into the change and the process change and the business change at that level, then the, the, the likelihood is that change is going to go very well for the business and it's going to go really well for our customers and you're going to have a great team atmosphere, a, a, a team where they all belong, they all feel like they belong in the business. You know, we talk about in the past contact centers being, you know, they're just places for us to spend money as a business, right? We don't, they, they don't add any ROI. There's no return on an investment, but, but I can still make my team feel part of that business and they can absolutely bring return on investment through those types of things. My team take 10, 15 minutes, calm down, drop me a quick message or walk over to my desk and say, just had this customer, they were screaming and shouting about X, Y, and Z. These are my ideas. This is what I think we could do to stop that happening. Great. Let's get on board. Let's get that done. And, and if there's, you know, if there's a project that then starts for that, bring them along because that's their idea. Right. And, and we want them to be part of that business. And. Yeah, it, it does. It goes on and on and on. And you're right, it impacts attrition. If I can make this a great place to work where people feel that they're, they're heard and they're listened to and they can, and their ideas are listened to and, and, and things are changing, you know, then the, the, then the more the better, I, I think. And, and the, the longer I get to keep people and the longer I get to keep people, the better it is for me as a business. And if I can develop them internally and send them from a customer service advisor to be a marketing manager or to be a BI analyst or to be, a, a, you know, real-time adherence or to be IT or wherever it is that they want their their passion to go for work, mm. then absolutely come and do in the contact center. Start in the contact center and, and you know, within two, three years with the right time, the right support, and, and asking questions, I guess you can go anywhere and you can do anything. And, and I, you know, sometimes I think, see, I still want to develop. I still want to push on in my career. Like I said, at the start of the, of the podcast, and I'm still not perfect, although I appreciate you saying so, but you know, I'm still not perfect far from it, but that's the passion that keeps me going that knowing that I can still work and, you know, actually my first ever head chef did say, ask questions and, it, and yeah. We'd have all said at some point, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but there really isn't. But if you're not asking questions, then you're not learning. And if you're not learning, you're not moving. So, and, and, and that was something from my chef in days that absolutely stuck with me. If you're not asking questions, you're not learning. And if you're not learning, you're not moving. And, and I think that's, that, that's something that I'd you know, try and pass that on and, and get people moving and yeah, come and do a great job in the contact center, whether that's sales, service, whatever that might be, and, and, and find your career because it's there. Yeah, I love that. That was very well put. That le that leads to be a little snippet all by itself. That day. you you mentioned earlier as well that kind of the that first transition from teammate to team leader being a a really challenging one, and I I absolutely concur. I think the other one though is when you go from manager to senior manager. So, you know, can you remember when you went from that to your current role now, head of? And, and what was that? Did it, did it present any challenges for you? What did it make you think and feel? Yeah, I, I, I can. And, and, and at, at the time I was, I, I was based in Bolton up North, which is, which is where my partner's from. And 
I was in the contact center as a team leader and, and a, a, a section manager role came up at the time, which is kind of a, a leader of five, six team leaders. And then you had the, the head of or the, the customer service manager that managed the whole department. And I'd applied for two or three of these because we had a, you know, four floors and different departments on each. And the feedback was great. You know, you know, the contact center inside out, but you, you don't really know the rest of the business or you're missing things. And again, I use that word holistic, you, you, you know, how does what we do impact the rest of the business or how does the business, even what, what the business does impacts us. So I, I actually stepped out of, of customer services for a while with that, that, that feedback in mind. And I did a six month placement in experience design. So I did customer experience design, and this is where I was lucky at Eon to, you know, being such a big company. Um, I was able to move around a bit and kind of learn different skills and then experience design. I was able to, to learn how to interact with customers. How do we do a little bit of marketing? How do we understand that if we're designing a project or a, a, a customer journey, is it right for the customer? How do you then sell that back to the business to say, I'm going to need some money if you're going to want to do it. These are all the great things that we can do, but do you want to spend some money? Because then I internally ask for that. And and I guess those are the things you don't generally get as a leader and, you, and you've got to kind of learn how to do that. So, and then from there, I, I, I did energy efficiency and, and particularly around kind of external wall installation and cavity wall installation. And that was managing big projects. So managing a relationship with the local council to have Houses installed with external wall insulation, loft insulation to to bring these houses up to to modern standards and make the you know the owners warm. And that was completely different because you had a building site. You know, guys that were doing the external wall had to manage that, manage the relationship with a with a client. And yeah, you, you learn so much so fast. I, I, again, you know, failing is fine, falling over is fine, and I I, I did that an awful lot. But, but learn, fail fast, I think, was it, again, Simon Perkins. Again, you know, I'll always, I can always relate these back to people that I've come across. And, you know, that, that's why our industry I love is because the amount of people that I can relate some of this stuff back to, because without them, I wouldn't have learned it. And Simon Perkins always said to me, learn, learn fail fast. Like the, the, the quicker you fail, the quicker you learn from it, the quicker you're going to do it probably better next time around. And I, I did, and I was lucky enough to have all of those experiences at Eon and step out into those roles. It, it made me a really a, a well-rounded manager that I am today, I guess, or head of as I am now. And, and then there was the fear of leaving Eon, you know, because I decided that I was going to leave Eon and it was like, well, I've been here X amount of years now and I can do Eon and I, I don't know I can deliver at Eon because I get great results, but can I, can I do it outside of Eon? And then, you know, the imposter syndrome all kicks in, doesn't it? Could I be going, is this the right choice? What if it all goes wrong? But just know then, you know, you, again, you, you've just got to go through the motions and, and, and be confident that even if things do go wrong, it, it's probably not that bad. I mean, they will be, don't get me wrong. I understand people will be going through tough, tough times. Goes back to my earlier piece, you know, with the Taming Tigers, just ask, re reach out, speak mm. to somebody. You, you're never alone and you can always reach out to speak to somebody and just say, listen, I'm, I'm kind of struggling. And I, I, I did exactly that. I, I spoke to, to people I knew and then I, I, I met a, other people when I left Eon that, that talked about things like rigor and talked about things like dendrites and making memories and, and making people feel about the now and what happens. And Steve was one of them, you know, he talks about it. It's about rhythm. So if you talk about rhythm and rigor, you're talking about doing the same things over and over again, which can sometimes feel like, oh my God. I'm a, I'm a bit bored here. I'm doing the same thing over and over again, but we get good at it. 
it's human nature that, you know, habits are what we are good at. So if I can make something a habit and if I can do that quickly and I can keep, keep doing it, even when I fail, then I'm going to get really, really good at it. And then, yeah, my old dad once said to me, nobody's going to blow your own trumpet, so blow it yourself. I try not to do that too, too often, but I probably do that on my own to myself. So there'll be people out there that use, you know, affirmations and all that kind of stuff. I just give myself a little toot on the old trumpet every now and again and say, you did a good <laughs> job today. But that, or, or, or because if no, you know, sometimes it, that's just what it needs. But then, yeah, look back, take the time to understand your results. It's, it's difficult stepping up to the head of, but at the same time, just, just know that you've got to look behind all the time. So what I mean by that is if I'm stepping up, I'm only stepping up because of the team that I've still got around me. I can only do the things that I do because of my team leaders, because of my team. And there is loads of value in me spending time with them still and spending time to make sure that they're good and that they're learning and they're getting the things that they want from me and just share it, share, share everything that you know, share it with anyone who will listen, which is hopefully why you've got me on here because yeah, just anybody or anything, but just as much as you can do, do it. Well, you can add another reason to toot your trumpet later, which is... This is sounds wrong thing. when you say it like that, doesn't it? Sorry. <laughs> I know, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> and here's me saying I was going to keep it not explicit. Yeah. Well, if people's minds go there, then, you know, that's on them. But I, I, I just want to say thanks very much, Barry, for, for coming on. I think it, you're very inspirational. There's so much great stuff there for, for people to, to take away. And I hope in the new year we can do do this again and maybe we can just focus on one of the areas that you've that you've mentioned but barry cooper head of customer service at money Corp, thank you so much for for coming on oh mate it's been a pleasure thank you so much for asking me on yeah really really enjoyed it yeah blown away when you reached out so thank you so much and yeah it'd be great to catch up again in in the future and let's say if, if anybody needs any help or if i can assist in any way then reach out on linkedin and happy to help let's do it Thanks for listening. For questions about the episode or the podcast in general, or if you'd just like to talk about contact centers, please email me. My email address is martin at getoutofrap.com. In the new year, I've got some really exciting news as well. So if you are interested in team leader development and giving your team leaders the best opportunity possible to lead their teams effectively and enjoy doing it, then stay tuned.